Hello and welcome to the Drink In Geek Out Podcast. This is a show where we drink beer and geek out. You're listening to episode 144, the Futurama Overview, uh, featuring Sun King's Sunlight Cream Ale and PBR. What? Yep, yep. Gross. What? It's actually pretty good. Uh, (laughs) With your host, Dustin. And Allison. I didn't know you were going to introduce me if I had to do it myself. No, that's how we, we usually take turns. I, I start off the thing. You didn't say the though. <laughs> so yep. I wasn't sure. <laughs> well, I'm so, I'm so used to having a row of guys yeah. like competing to get their name in there. <laughs> so, Woo-hoo. sorry. Not competing. It's just me and you. Right. For sure. Double teaming it. Yeah. I like uh, All right. So this is a special quick episode about the TV series Futurama. I say quick, it's still going to probably be an hour, uh, but this isn't going to be a season or a show or episode driven uh, episode or show or whatever, because we're just going to do an overview and we're actually going of to release characters. of the characters. Yes, an overview of the characters, uh, because we actually plan on doing season by season or group of episodes or something uh, for our Patreon. So we're going to release multiple of these episodes. Uh, we're going to do season one, season two, season three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, and the movies. Uh, or we might do like a block of like episodes that may span a couple of seasons that have a, a certain theme. Whatever would work, uh, we're just going to... We haven't decided yet. We haven't really decided. Obviously. Clearly from his ramblings, you can tell we have not decided uh, how if, we're going to approach this. If you listen to the show, I ramble a lot. Well, uh, But anyways, uh, you'll hear about it on, on Twitter... Uh, you'll hear about it just basically any type of posting. We're definitely going to have some Patreon uh, movement. Also, I have a Patreon plug later if you want to know about the Patreon, but it's patreon.com slash drinkinggeekout. Uh, I did bring an expert to the series of the series to this show uh, because she's just watches everything. All the, the things. All the things for this. And she'll wow your pants off. What? She'll wow. I have it written off. down. She'll wow them. I see that, but. I don't want to. I don't want to see your pants off. Please don't keep but them on. My pants are already coming down. What? Not in front of the kids. All right. So we're gonna talk about the main caricatures. Uh, these are just the, uh, like the ones that are in every episode, right? Or well, not all of them. You're gonna. We're gonna hit mostly the main characters. Obviously, you know your main six or seven and then a couple of characters who are recurring who are major players or have you know an important link to the rest of the show in -hmm. some form or the other or are just you know high profile characters that are you know relatively important but obviously it's not going to be a complete list because a we don't have time for that b I don't think anyone cares that much. I mean, I'd listen to it, but that's because I'm a little obsessed with Futurama. But I doubt most of our audience cares that much. I'm pretty sure there's some people out there. Probably. Uh, Andrew made heads for Drinking Geek Out in jars for an image. For, wait, in what? Jars. 
in jars? Yeah, like the president heads or the dead oh, heads. Oh, oh, oh. We're talking Futurama. <laughs> what are you talking I was thinking in jars like he made a glass. Like he made like an etched glass of like your heads inside the jars. And I was not connecting those not two things. not that cool. I was really like, what? And yeah. I was, yeah, okay. Got it. Yeah. Heads in jars. Got it. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. They're uh, heads in pres- jars. That's, yeah. It is. That's what it is. There's not like a name for it. It's just... Oh my gosh. <laughs> Why is pale also fry? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but look at, look at Dustin. Why are your eyes so weird? I don't know. I look like I'm missing a beanie and I could be Waldo. Yeah, you are kind of Waldo-ish. I don't, Keith is kind of scary looking. Yeah, Keith is, uh, Saf is spot on. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't know why Keith looks so judgy. <laughs> And why do you have beady eyes? I don't know, but it's a Some lazy artistic. Yeah, fantastic beard, though. I need to grow mm. mine back out. Yeah. Well, you know, can't be perfect all the time. Can't be perfect all the time. But <laughs> anyway, we do we do have those heads. That's fun. Are those available for people to see? Yeah, we're going to. Okay. They will be posted. He's going to post them when we release this oh, episode. Gotcha. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, so. Good job. When Keith. you're listening to this, you have it. You'll see. have access right. to seeing it. All right. It's pretty good. It's pretty fantastic, actually. All right, so to get this started, we are going to talk about Fry. Of course. Um, he is voiced by Billy West. Why you got to say it like that? Because I can't <laughs> help it. <laughs> Philip J. Fry, commonly known simply by his surname Fry, is a fictional character and the protagonist of the animated sitcom Futurama. Obviously, I took this from Wikipedia. Clearly, it's very, very yeah. fake uh scholarly article style yeah there's citations everything Mm -hmm. his voice by billy west using a version of his own voice as he sounded when he was uh 25 i almost said 15 i mean i could see it yeah he is a slacker delivery boy from the 20th century who becomes cryo cryo Cryo. cryogenically frozen reawakens in the 30th century to become a delivery boy there with an intergalactic delivery company run by his 30th grandnephew great nephew yeah, grandnephew. Great. Uh, 31st great-grandson via time warp. Yeah, it's all Professor very confusing. Professor Herbert J. Farnsworth. He is the best friend and roommate of Bender, and the eventual boyfriend and later husband of Taranga? Taranga. Taranga Leela. He is the father of Yancey Fry Sr. due to his affair with his soon-to-be paternal godmother. Grandmother. I have an issue with that grand. I don't know. You can't read things, apparently. No, I'm, I'm the worst. When he goes back in time and sleeps with his own grandma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember that episode. As well as the stepfather of Kif's offspring due to Kif's pregnancy and Leela's accidental motherhood. Yes, because in Kif's species, the males get pregnant. And so Kif's the man mom. And Leela donates her DNA through a touching of the hands. You've seen, you've seen all the episodes yeah. by proxy, so you know what I'm talking about. Right. I always thought it would be Amy. It should be, technically. But that's why it's drama. Drama. Yeah. So we were talking about this earlier. We were trying to think about, like, something to set this apart from just being, like, a reading of, like, these characters' backgrounds. And we came up with the idea to kind of, like, talk about some of their more memorable moments or something that's, like, either of ours or just my favorite kind of moments for each of these characters. Um Obviously, with Bender, Fry, and Leela, it's going to be very hard to pick just one moment. 
Um, it's just there in every single episode. So it's like, you know, there's good things. There's memorable things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a soft spot for the anthologies of interest episodes where they each have their own like little what would happen if with the what if machine. Um, so one of my favorites, as I was talking about earlier today, uh, randomly, uh, is the one where Fry uh, asks in a very not well done way, uh, what if life would be more like a video game? And he kind of saves the world, well, by not saving the world, by playing video games. Um, of course, he loses because Space Invaders is hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but... That's one of my favorites. Um, so if you have a favorite moment, feel free to at us and be like, you didn't say this. And we can tell you how awesome you are for knowing about Futurama. And we can agree with you on many things. And this applies for all the episodes that we are planning on doing. For sure. Well. Yes. So if you have any input or if you want to talk about something in particular about Futurama, please let us know via email, Twitter, Instagram, whatever media source. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will definitely talk about that because I'm all about it. My counterpart here slash husband has watched them all by proxy because I've watched them all, I don't know, a thousand times each. Yep. We own them all on DVD. We have the extended collection, so I've seen everything. Yep. <laughs> so um, anyway. I think my favorite part. Our favorite thing about Fry uh, is the episode that he uh, ends up going to the going back to the past and uh, ends up do being a different person as the oh, Bender. Oh, in the movie, yeah, in the movie, he's got that Bender tattoo on his ass. Mm-hmm. The time code, yeah. yeah. Uh, loses half his hair, so he becomes a different person, and Lila falls in love with him. Yeah, Lars Fillmore. Yeah, Lars Fillmore. That's the name. That's one of the aliases you forgot to put down on there for him. Technically, he is also Lars Fillmore. Yes, when he works with the narwhals. Mm-hmm. Lilu. But yeah. That's a good one, too. Yeah, I love... I also have a soft spot for the... Obviously, that's why we have them saved in multiple locations. <laughs> we have them on Google Drive. For, shh, we don't have them on Google Drive. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> but we have them saved. And so it's one of those things that I'll just kind of watch randomly. I definitely also really like the uh, Dungeons & Dragons episode, the Bender's Game episode. Yeah, but that's um, for Bender coming up. Well, it's not the reason why I like that one. I actually kind of like that Fry becomes Gollum randomly, which is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty entertaining because it's Dungeons and Dragons, it's Lord of the Rings, it's mm-hmm. all, you know, it's a bunch of random, like, nerdy stuff thrown together, which makes my heart very happy. Um, right. But yeah, so that's a fun part, too. But I also, yeah, I like I said, I have a soft spot for the movies mm-hmm. that are supposedly all how the season could have ended if they had to end it right there before they got repicked up. So it's all kind of fun. You know, different random things that they put together. Yep. All right, let's move on to Mr. Bender. Bender was voiced by John DiMaggio. Yeah. Bender, Bending Rodriguez. I love how he's always had to say, my middle name is Bending. <laughs> he's yeah. Bending something. Uh, designated in any universe as bending unit 22, unit number 17290, number 2716057, is one of the main characters in the animated TV series Futurama, obviously. He was conceived by the series creator Matt Groening, 
and David Cohen, and is voiced by John DiMaggio. He fulfills a comic, anti-hero-type role in Futurama and is described by fellow character Leela as an alcoholic, whoremongering, chain-smoking gambler. Correct. According to the character's backstory, Bender was built in Tijuana, Mexico. The other characters refer to this as swarthy Latin charm. Just Leela. Leela's the only one who's ever said those words. Swarthy Latin charm. (laughs) Viewers are informed through his own testimony of Bender's prejudice against non-robots. Kill all humans! It's literally one of the first things that Bender says when Fry moves in with him in iRoommate in the first season. When he falls asleep, he has a dream that he meets a female robot and is like, Hey, sexy lady, wanna kill all humans? And then Fry looks at him and is like, Oh god, who am I living with? And he just has this like look of sheer panic and terror. And then he wakes Bender up because he's freaking out. And has to go to the quote-unquote bathroom because he's uncomfortable and sleeping in a tiny, like, two-by-two box. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty funny. That's, that's like, your moment of, like, realizing, like, Bender is not just this, you know, alcoholic, crazy gambling robot. He's also got, like, a vendetta against all humans, which is instilled in him by Mom. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know. Robot overlord mom. <laughs> right. But yeah. Isn't the closet in that room a actual real size apartment? Yeah. So Bender's apartment in I Roommate is definitely what he walks into. So it's like basically a foyer between like the metal door and then another door to open an apartment door. So like they have two separate doors. I don't know why. Doesn't make any sense when you think about it. And it never shows up again after that episode. So there's just a front door. There's never the two doors like there was in that one episode. So it's kind of like a, that's too much work. We're not going to animate that (laughs) again. But yeah. So when you open the second door, which actually goes into his, what would actually be a living space, it's got the window because they got the fruit tree from Amy. And so they're like, do you think it's going to get enough light? And he's like, there's a window in the closet. So they open up the closet door and it's an actual apartment. But you know, robots actually don't need apartments. Don't need space. Need to turn off and reboot. Like, it's fine. So, I mean, it works. Yeah. Let's see. I think there's a lot of quotables from Everything's quotable from Bender. Yeah. I mean, like, his whole being is just very entertaining. Yeah. The windmills. Windmills? Yeah. That's not. That's not Bender. Hmm. That's Morbo. Oh. Nice try, though. (laughs) That's my favorite quote of all time. (laughs) Yeah. That's my favorite Futurama quote of all time. Morbo's not on this episode, but he's a TV anchor monster. And in one of the episodes where they're talking about the earth overheating, they talk about being in Denmark. And the other anchor says something about the windmills will keep them cool. And Morbo just turns to her and is like, windmills do not work that way. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Just to like sign off there. It's my favorite quote. That's my favorite thing. Um, but favorite Bender moments. There are so many things. Um, I love the way that he ruins moments between Fry and Leela in the first couple of seasons. Um, yeah, he's just hilarious. The Iron Chef one is amazing. <laughs> 30% Iron Chef. <laughs> he kills his own master because he can't <laughs> taste the food. Yes. <laughs> Helmet smackle. 
it sounds like you killed him, but whatever. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I don't know. I can't think of, like, one particular moment that, like, is, like, extra to me. There are, like, it's hard to pick, like, one thing. It's not that I don't love Bender. It's, like, of all the thousands of things, how can I pick one? So right. don't at me about this. Me not picking something about Bender because it's really, really hard. Um, I just rewatched the first season a couple times because I thought we were going to end up doing season by season. And then I wrote the first episode overview and it took up like a whole page of articles. So I was like, mm, we're not going to be able to do this in one. Nope. Because I had yet. to explain all the characters. So that's how we came up with the idea for this show. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, Bender saving the turtle for that same episode with the crimes of the hot. That's one of my favorite episodes, so that one's hard to beat. Um, him rescuing Fry from the monster in one of the movies, where the the second movie, where the universe splits open and they meet Evo and then Bender gets all jealous and takes um, the dark, (laughs) the matter from the other universe and attacks with a pirate theme. That one's pretty good. I love when Bender gets all like offended that humans don't care about him, even though he wants to kill all humans anyway. It's pretty entertaining because it's such like a, he reminds me of a cat. Like, I want you to pay attention to me, but I don't want you to want to pay attention to me. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, basically, anytime Bender's being Bender. So, yes, one of my favorite episodes is when they go to the robot asylum. Basically, Bender tells Fry to suck it up or drop dead so you can prove that you're a human and get out of the robot asylum. Um, And Roberto ties up the gang and he's like... Pick a number between 1 and 10, and if you guess it, I'm going to kill you. And Bender says 56. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, 56? 56? Now that's all I can think about. Um, Yeah, I just, yeah. Basically, the fact that he can, no matter what happens, Bender can get around anything. And it's just really entertaining the way that he can come up with, like, the most random ways to, like, either avoid a situation or completely, like, just sidestep it. And all while being, you know, robot sober, which is being heavily intoxicated. Yep. So <laughs> it's all pretty entertaining. It's hard to pick one moment. Do you have like a moment that stands out specifically about Bender for you? All of the movies, the the Bender related movies, uh, the board game, the dungeon. Bender's game. Yeah. You the know. One, okay. The one I said yeah. earlier. Well, yeah, there's uh, stands out or the one where him and Hermes uh retrace his file oh yeah they got a tijuana to try and track down inspector five yeah lethal inspection and it turns out that hermes was inspector five yeah spoiler alert yeah right inspector five well what if i beat up inspectors two and three addition never solved anything (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness well, that's true. Yeah, there. Like I said, it's kind of hard to narrow down like just one specific Bender-related moment. I mean, it's hard to do it with any, like I said, any of these three main characters. We're gonna have a hard right. time like picking one specific moment. But yeah, I like that. Leela, go ahead. Okay, Leela, as 
portrayed by Katie Seagal. So Leela, full name being Taranga Leela, is the spaceship captain, pilot, and head of all aviation services on board the Planet Express ship. Throughout the series, she has an on-again, off-again relationship with Fry and eventually does marry him. Um, actually is engaged to him technically at this point twice because the engagement and potential marriage to Lars, which was Fry. Um, she is a central character, obviously, and becomes mother to Kif's offspring. Um, and in the comics, after the fact of the TV show is over, Elena Fry assuming her relationship with Fry moves on from the point where they get stuck in time um, at the end of the series. Um, so again, she is voiced by Katie Seagal and is named after the Charangalila Symphony by Olivier. Is it Olivier? Olivier? Yeah, it's, it's Olivier. Yeah. Olivier Messian? Messian? Uh, Messian. Messian. Okay. She is one of the few characters in the cast who routinely display competence and the ability to command and routinely saves the rest of the cast from disaster. Um, but she always suffers from having this extreme self-doubt because she was the only one-eyed quote-unquote alien um, and was bullied as an orphan. Um, as I said, she's quote-unquote an alien. Um, that's what we're led to believe in the beginning of the series. After a couple seasons... Um, she finds out that she is actually a mutant, a sewer mutant, um, who was born as quote unquote, the least mutated sewer mutant that the ear, 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 nose and throat doctor had ever seen. Uh, and so that leads her parents to kind of take her to the surface and leave her at an orphanarium thinking that she would have a better life on the surface rather than being stuck in the sewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her family parodies the aspects of kind of the undesirable and the pollution that is associated with the industrial New Jersey being compared to like with what you expect in New York City. Um, so you kind of see that with the whole outcast status and like being othered and different and uh, their kind of family relationship and just how surface people treat um, sewer dwellers. Uh, so there's kind of a lot of that second-class citizen stuff happening. And there's a whole episode about kind of giving them their rights later on in the um, in the series. But anyway, back to the actual Leela Leela. Leela Leela? Leela. 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 Lots of Leelas. Yeah, there's an episode where there's two Leelas because Fry goes crazy and makes her a duplicate out of robots. And then they download her personality into that robot. Mm-hmm. And then real Leela wakes up from her coma because they were going to feel her to the cyclophage, and then she wakes up, and then fries with a Leela, and then there's a new Leela, and the old Leela, and so there were so many Leelas, and they all were just like, Leela? Leela? Leela. <laughs> all the Leelas. <laughs> and then there ends up being two fries, too, and the robots live happily ever after, and the people kind of are left to figure out who the hell they actually are, if they can have robots who make them look exactly like them and do all the things they do. Like have one of those like matrix moments like is this all real (laughs) all right favorite leela moment i have a least favorite leela moment the eyes when she gets the surgery they get two eyes oh no that wasn't what i was thinking actually i hate when she meets alcazar and tries to find her home planet and he just like plays her like a fiddle and it's supposed to be like married with children where it's like a kind of like a parody of that show 
and just the whole episode, I'm just like, Ugh, this is annoying. Maybe it's because I just don't like the fact that she's so like blinded by everything, but that's kind of who she is in like a serious relationship anyway. So it's true to her personality. I just didn't like it. Mostly because like, why can't we just have a strong female character who isn't blinded by men? Why? Why do we have to, why do we have to go through this trope again? I don't understand. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So favorite moment. I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. Probably would have to be the episode when they uh, backtrack in their ages. Mm. And they end up as teenagers again. And she elects to stay down in the sewer to hang out with her parents. While everyone else tries the crazy uh, method to get back to the regular age. And then they end up decreasing in age. Even more. Even further. And yeah. a rapid rate. And Leela saves the day. Leela saves the day for most of them. Except for Hubert. Who ends up getting saved by his gargoyle. But yeah. Yeah. That one's, that one's a good one. I think my favorite Leela moment overall is in the episode where Fry takes the robot devil's hand. So the devil's hand, or robot, what is it? Devil's hands are idle playthings. I think that's what the title of the episode is. Um, but devil's hands are idle playthings. Something about hands being idle playthings. Anyway, um, and so in that whole episode, she's kind of entranced by fry for who he becomes when he has the ability to actually control his hands in the way he wants and it kind of connects his um emotional spiritual like musical connection to his rest of his body and so you kind of see like that he's not just a ditzy character but it also kind of shows like you know Leela wants somebody who's gonna have like those kind of qualities and it kind of makes you like connect with her a little bit more because she's not just like into dopes like you know zap branding in or sean and so or even you know the mayor's aide um so it's kind of nice to kind of see her in a way that's a little more like down to earth not so like either ditzy girl head over heels or like buster balls captain and then i also like that she tries her best to like fix a situation that she really had no control over even though it ends up screwing things up for her in the long run where you know she can't hear fry's opera because bender blasted her with an air horn um so she finds a way around it to make fry not feel bad and so it kind of shows her that you know she has that compassionate like understanding side of her that you don't actually get to see very often so it just kind of opens up her character to a lot more of that like emotional um you know, kind of those connections between people uh, that's hard to see with her sometimes, mostly because she is in a, a woman in a position of power over most of the other characters in the show. And they kind of, that kind of builds up walls. And then the people that she does connect with all kind of suck. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to have like some actual like personality traits beyond what you see in like a workplace or, you know, making sure Fry and Bender don't kill themselves. Spear time. Oh, beer time. Yeah. All right, so this is the uh, Sun King, Sunlight Cream Ale. Uh, this is a repeat. We've actually had this on the show before. <gasps> we have. Uh, but it, yeah, but it was way early. It was oh. like in the Digo Classic era. Oh. Yeah. So it's we, okay to revisit? Yeah, we checked it in September 6th, 2016. 
Oh. So it was right after we started. So our mics and our quality weren't that good, and we don't even have them available. Oh, so it's Unless you Patreon, then you can get all the classic episodes (laughs) and see how terrible the sound is. So why are we drinking Sunlight? So the reason I picked Sunlight is because of originally, again, doing this based off of season one. um, There's an episode in season one that's called My Three Sons. Um, It is an episode where Fry um, goes to, well, the whole gang goes to the Galaxy of Terror um, to deliver a sign to an emperor on his way there. He has to walk like an ungodly amount of miles to get there, apparently. And there are three suns. So as the first sun sets and he finally thinks he's going to get some relief from the sun, two more rise that are even closer to the surface. Um, The episode basically concludes with him drinking the emperor and then he has to cry out the emperor because they're all water-based creatures. Um, So he drinks the emperor thinking that it's a delicious bottle of water after he just walks so long. Um, Then he becomes emperor. Then as the sun set, everyone starts to glow. They realize that the emperor is still technically in him. So they have to like, they're threatening to kill him, obviously, but he cries out the emperor via violence. Thanks to the rest of the gang. Um, So yes, the sun light was something that reminded me of that episode because of the intensity of the sun and the fact that there's three of them and so as one of those things i was kind of like oh that makes sense let's do that you know sunlight three suns lots of brightness (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i didn't know we already had it on so it's kind of nice right yeah to redo it anyway it's been a minute no it really has been all right so keith is gonna do the socials you know he's just he pops in every once in a while to do how you can get a hold of us every single episode. He's very dedicated like that. <laughs> While we get the next beer ready, I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkInGeekOut. You can also check out our show notes and other fun stuff on our website, DrinkInGeekOut.com. You can also email us any comments or suggestions at DrinkInGeekOut at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content. Find us there at patreon.com backslash drinkingeekout. And now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back, everyone. All right, so we do have the sunlight in front of us now. Uh, the Sunlight Cream Ale celebrates American dr- brewing tradition by balancing smooth malt Complexity with a crisp, clean finish. Uh, ABB is 5.3, and then the IBUs are 20, which the Geeky IBU reference is the chess 20. Uh, 20 is the total number of legal first moves in the game of chess. Hmm. All right, so we've had Sun King on before, as I previously stated. Uh, so we talked about the brewery when we did episode two, and it was Wemac. We talked oh. about the brewery, and then a couple weeks later, we had Sunlight on as well. But those are all classic. Uh, the Sunlight or is from Sun King, which is here in Indianapolis. It's on college. Uh, it's one of the first breweries that I was introduced to uh, in Indiana. Uh, so it was always uh, near and dear to my heart. I always love going to the location. Mm-hmm. And now that they have some satellite locations, it's nice to kind of be able to mm-hmm. check it out no matter what part of town you're on. Yeah, there's two of them close to us. Mm-hmm. So pretty excited about that. Just need to make it over there uh, a little bit uh, here and there. Do we need to talk about the 
Oh, absolutely. It's the order okay. of the show. We talk about the can. How's the can looking? Looks, I don't know. Has it ever changed? No. Has it always been like this? It's always been like that. Well, then it looks the exact same as it's always been. Right, yeah. <laughs> so very aztec in the middle. Yeah, which is their traditional look. Yeah, and then you have a, basically, it looks like a beam of sun. Yeah, it looks like sun with like some fancy scroll work behind it that's kind of faded. Yeah. It does. Uh, on on the website, they actually have what's in the background uh, a little bit more visible. Uh, so you oh. see some uh, some some wheat. wheat. Oh, um, it's the same image as the red and white or the red and yellow image in the front. It's just blown up and in like lighter color. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. So it's just like imposed on their background. Yeah. Oh, I see it now. Like if you hold it up to the light, you can kind of see it. Yep. What? It's empty. Make sure there's any drops going oh, on. Oh no, my I already checked that. Okay. <laughs> All right. I already made sure there was nothing left in this can. All right, so they're available in the 12 ounce pours, 16 ounce pours, four packs, six packs, and 12 packs. Buy this at the grocery if you really wanted to. Yeah, you can. Um, all right, so the color of this is a very clear. Yep. It's like a hairy snitch type clear. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Maybe scorpion. I don't know. Depending yeah. on what computer you're looking at but i'm i'm going probably with a three or four on this one looking at the wall plus the yeah. led lights probably. i might go scorpion get over here right gotcha but yeah i always like saying i always love saying harry snitch <laughs> whenever i get an opportunity to say it on the show i say it but probably scorpion maybe tails tails it's close yeah, i was kind of thinking that but you said three or four so i didn't want to be like no i are allowed to be wrong <laughs> Starfox. So, scorpion it is. That's not quite Starfox. <laughs> not quite Starfox. No, but yeah. Scorpion works for me. Yeah. Good old sniffers. It smells bright. Yeah. Smells very creamy. Yeah. Ooh, good one. I know. It's like I'm smelling a cream ale or something. Right. So no it's like a very, very unique smell. You know you're drinking a cream ale right. by its by its smell. You can definitely smell like the kind of sweetness Mm -hmm. to it or like that kind of like, I don't know, higher sugar content. Yeah, Yeah, you definitely can smell the sugar in there. Almost kind of the weedy, but. Yeah, I was thinking that too, but I was like, it's kind of like a corny wheat Mm kind of smell to it. Definitely corny, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that, but I wasn't sure I was crazy or not. Very smooth. Yep. Well, to say over... Over time, I've grown a uh, fondness for cream ales. Uh, when I first had a cream ale, like, 10 years ago, I hated it. Yeah. I'm still not, like, a huge fan. Yeah. I feel like this one's kind of bland at the end. A little yeah. watery. It mm-hmm. doesn't have, like, the body of most of the beers that I like or drink. Right. So it's kind of like a letdown for me, like, in my traditional, like, taste. But... It's definitely something easy to drink. It's not like perfect for like a day where it's like 90 degrees like it mm-hmm. has been recently. Um, for sure. So if you're in the Indiana area, you'll know. Um, it's definitely finally hot. So this would be something that you could sit outside and drink and not feel like you're drinking and getting bloated and heavy and it's gross. Right. It's definitely easy to drink light, nice, nothing too crazy and intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to skip all the other websites that we normally check for scores, um, just a conservation of time. So we're just going to take a look at Untapped. 
Uh, there's uh, ninety or sorry, twenty nine thousand check ins. Yeah. Uh, Three point five one average. Mm-hmm. Uh, with friends check ins, I have eight people have checked it in. Uh, Three point seven five average. So Doyle got, Doyle. I got three point eight one as my friend average. Nice Doyle Doyle, uh, his recent friend. Uh, Three point five. Uh, Matt Muncy, uh, of course, just checked it. He never rates it uh, when he checks it in. He just he doesn't think it's fair. I don't know. Why. Uh, Chris Leland, Mister Gone V Six, three point seven five, having nice. a flight with dinner. Uh, it's a local flight. Starting one of this, it's always a good one. Sounds good. New friend alert, Michael Taylor gave it a four. Wow, nice. Had it on drafts. So I'm assuming he had it there. Christian D. It uh, doesn't say where he checked it in, but it's usually in his cul-de-sac. It's a 3.25, <laughs> par for the course. Speak Podcast, gave it a 4. Says light, refreshing, cereal taste. Cereal? Yeah, like, like cereal. Like eating breakfast cereal? Breakfast cereal. Interesting. Yep. So Pale, 3.75. Keep, 3.75. Saf, 3.75. I think we held hands on this episode. I guess so. There's lots of hands holding. Yeah, pale, because that was all September 9th. I think I checked it in on, on the, that was the 9th, yeah. 9-9, uh, what up? Uh, pale had it again, 4, pale had it again, 4. Keith had it again, didn't check it in. Keith had it again, 3.75. So we've been having this beer quite often. It's been around. <laughs> For a bit. It's been around. Uh, I was a winner of the gold medal. I won a gold medal at the 2015 Great American Beer Festival and a silver medal winner at the 2010 world beer cup so it's been around forever right yeah about 499 a month for check-ins that's the average that's impressive (laughs) that is pretty impressive i'll probably keep my check-in at a 3.75 it's all right i mean it's not something that i'm gonna go to the store and must have right it's like hey I'll take some Sun King. Let's get a taster of everything. Or get one of those mixed packages or right. whatever. That's, where, that's why we have this, because I bought a sampler. Yep. I was feeling the sampler, so I bought a sampler. It's like you can't go wrong with some Wemax, so... Yeah, some Wemax, some Pachanga. Got a Sun... Uh, oh, and the, the SKB. Yeah. SKB IPA. Sunlight came in it. Whatever. That works for me. Yeah, I gave it a 3.5 as my rating. Just because, like I said, it's... It's not bad. It's not wonderful. I would give it, you know, it's pretty moderately delicious. I miss kind of a little bit of that body or something to kind of give it that kick so it's not as watery at the end, but it's not awful for sure. Yeah. Definitely will drink if given, you know, other than that, eh, whatever. Going back to the show. Yee. Dr. Zoidberg. Zoidberg. Yep. <laughs> also done by Billy West. Dr. John A. Zoidberg, MD. What is the M? M as in apostrophe, or in quotes, because he's not an actual medical doctor. If you learn in the end of the show, I think it's season eight or seven, uh, his PhD is actually in art history. Oh. <laughs> so he's a doctor, but not that kind of doctor. Gotcha. All right, he's referred to only by his last name, Zoidberg. Why well, no Zoidberg? Yes. As a fictional character in the television series, if he's a robot. He is a decapodian. Decapodian. Decapodian, a crustacean-like species of alien. 
who works as the staff doctor for Planet Express, despite his poor understanding of human physiology and allusions to his questionable credentials, obviously. Like, not a real doctor. Right. His character parodies the supposed wealth and automatic respect of modern doctors. For example, his incompetence at human medicine makes him extremely poor despite his profession, and he is implied to be frequently homeless when not at work. The Decapod, named after the actual Decapoda order of ten-footed crustaceans, are an extended parody on Yiddish culture, the bigger joke being that shellfish are not kosher. The writing riffs on the marine theme in a playfully absurd way with just about any marine arthropoda... Anthropodia. That's an R in there, not ant, Arth- it's R. Oh, is it? Thank oh. you. Arthropoda, that's a weird word. Uh, that's, why I, that's why I why are struggled you, Why it. are we talking about it like using their like official scientific... Why don't we just talk about anthropoids or mollusks? Why do we have to use anthropoda or mollusca? Being implied to be akin to Zoidberg. Zoidberg is voiced by Billy West, who performs a character with a Yiddish inflected accent inspired by actors George Jessel and Lou Jacoby. Yes. Why no Zoidberg? If I didn't break both my feet, I would be doing the. The walk like Zoeberg right Sideward, now. Sideways walking out of the room. <laughs> yes. And pretty much anything when he does that is probably my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah. But I like his storytelling. Um, in the episodes, well, in the first one of the movies where... Fry meets his new girlfriend after him and Leela kind of are together, but not really, um, after they crash land and die and then get reborn. And then they're, like, not sure what their feelings are for each other, so they take a break. Um, And so when Fry is dating Colleen, Zoidberg kind of does, oh, Fry told me how he and Colleen first met. And then, like, there's this, like, lovey-dovey, like, intro music to do, like, a flashback. And it's Zoidberg and Fry sitting on a park bench. And Zoidberg turns to Fry and is like, so how did you and Colleen first meet? And then there's more lovey-dovey music as another flashback occurs. (laughs) It's just really funny. Um, Also, in the first Christmas episode, when he gets the Christmas card from his cousin Zoidvarb, um... And instead of Santa Claus, he writes Claus with a W at the end. And he's like, ha, he says Claus and not Claus. Today's comedians could learn from this card. Like, (laughs) he thinks everything that's ridiculous is so funny. Um, Anytime he tries to be a comedian is pretty much gold. Um, He gets tomatoes thrown at him quite often. Gets yanked off the stage with a cane. You know, old school style, bad comics getting yanked off the stage. Um, oh, and the other time he tries to tell a story at the end of the episode when they are dealing with the candy hearts, um, and he's like, and the car- the fire, and the, wait, no, and the candy hearts poured into the fiery quasar, and no one could have been more happy unless it was Valentine's Day. What? It was Valentine's Day, and, like, <laughs> it's just one of those moments where you're just like, you know, it's such a Zoidberg thing. What about you? Do you have a favorite Zoidberg moment? I mean, obviously, any time where you get to go... Yeah, those are my favorite, for yeah. sure. Uh, two stick uh, out of mind when he breaks the ship 
container or the uh, the glass jar with the ship in it, mm. and he blames Fry on it. And Fry's like, "Well, I guess uh, sounds like something I would have done." I don't have the wherewithal to defend myself, so here's the ten dollars. Yeah, and the guilt that <laughs> he feels about that. Yeah. Uh, and then the episode where he gets rid of all of his stocks for a sandwich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the stock shoots up and he's like, but at least I still have my sandwich. Oh, no, it's rotten. No, he eats it. Yeah. He eats the sandwich. Yeah, he sells all of his stocks and future stock and then the stock plummets. And so he is like, you know, he's like. Another investment pays off for the hungry investor. And then he is like, and then he eats a sandwich and he goes, oh no, I'm ruined. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one for sure. Oh, my favorite dits. Amy Wong, as voiced by Lauren Tom, is also a central character um, in the series, both during the Fox run and the Comedy Central run. Um, she is the intern at Planet Express for uh, way too long. Um, she's kept around because she shares the professor's blood, as she, he is noted in the first episode. Um, and, or shares his blood type. Sorry, that sounds weird. Shares his blood. <laughs> shares his blood type. Um, and she apparently just is completely oblivious to the fact that the professor will send his crew on suicide missions because she joins sometimes. Um, she is ditzy, spoiled, um, daughter of wealthy agriculturalist slash industrialist, um, Han Chinese ranchers who raise Bugalo on Mars. Um, she is a graduate student for most of the series runs. Um, she eventually does earn her PhD in applied physics from Mars University after saving the planet from cats. Um, so she gets her doctorate, and by the end of the series, she is the Smizmar Fon Fon Rue of Kiff Croker and the adoptive mother of his offspring, since technically she's not the genetic donor, but that's what the whole thing for being a Smizmar is, is the person who, you know, creates the feelings of love, which causes Kiff to go into his receptive state to be able to accept genetic material to be able to create offspring. <laughs> all the bio biology in the background of that um yeah i think pretty much for amy she's kind of like one of those characters that i kind of want to be like ugh. but i love her at the same time she's like so like oblivious but she's actually really smart and it's just like one of those people that like is really book smart but you put them out in the world and they like have no idea what they're doing and she's really, really clumsy, so it's kind of entertaining. Um, let's see. Favorite Amy moments? Do you have anything? No. Nothing. I hate, I hate Amy. You hate Amy? Why do you hate Amy? Her dad's obnoxious. That's not Amy's fault. I know, but there's I don't have any good moments with her. I guess my favorite is in Into the Wild Green Yonder. Where Fry has to work as a security guard for Amy's dad. And Amy is kind of like yelling at her dad for building, you know, this huge monstrosity of Mars Vegas and kind of destroying the ecosystem and blowing up planets in the universe or in, yeah, in the galaxy willy nilly, basically. And then she turns to Fry and she's like, you know, Leela is helping with this. How can you like be so two faced? blah 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 
And she, he is like, it takes the kind of multi-siding thinking that your dad is so brilliant at. And she's like, it's called being Two-Face. And she kind of just storms off and kind of like has that moment of like feminine, feminist rage. And she's like, yes. Um, and then, of course, her dad just assumes that she's hungry. And he goes, says something about her being something about her big fat butt and then fry goes actually sir her butt's pretty hot (laughs) and she's like what is with you men why does everything revolve around my butt (laughs) and i was like i feel you i feel you girl why why can't you listen to my words stop ogling um but yeah so she has some moments in that into the wild green yonder that i like a lot um where she kind of has that moment of intensity and like purpose um obviously in the same episode where she defeats the cats even though i hate the fact that they use cats as like this evil creature from outer space um because i love my kitties and they are not evil and it's very rude but in that episode where she kind of like comes into her own and like realizes that she can you know defend her dissertation and be you know effective in the world as a scientist even if it's in applied physics which people look down on anything that's an applied degree trust me i know i have one um (laughs) so it's one of those things that's like yeah you get that applied degree because i I connect with you on your applied phd but yeah her being able to like you know basically restart the world's rotational force because she's smart is kind of nice too it kind of shows a different side of her than her like falling off her porty board when she lands it in the office you know type of amy stuff um all right professor farnsworth also voiced by billy west professor herbert j farnsworth or simply professor farnsworth uh he's the mad scientist proprietor of the planet express delivery service for whom the main characters work he's the great times 30 uh, nephew of the great times 31 grandson of the series protagonist philip j fry uh, because of the time reef paradox he alternates between intelligence and a moral sen- senility senility due to his greatly advanced age 149 to 160 plus years old he demonstrates a mastery of any, of any field of science necessary for this series plot and is suggested to be one of the most brilliant inventors on earth however he falls asleep constantly and he's implied to have routinely sent his former crews on suicide missions well, it's not really heavily implied it's actually just told in the episode about the bees where leela almost dies you find the black box of a couple other planet express ships and then also the episode where they go to get the statue. Oh, that's the same episode. Never mind. Same episode. The bees happen in two episodes, but the same episode is the one where they find the black box. And then also go through the the Bermuda Triangle tetrahedron. Because it's in space, so it's not 2D. The Bermuda Tetrahedron. And they get attacked by the space whale. Yeah. Space whales are everywhere. Star Trek and Futurama. Yeah. Space whales, man. They'll get you. 4D space whales, actually. Uh, favorite Farnsworth memory for me would be when they find the planet where uh, Leonardo da Vinci's from. Oh yeah. And he gets there, and he's considered a you know a dummy. Right. Da Vinci's a dummy, and 
they help him finish one of his uh, his designs. His last, yeah, creation. And it ends up being like a killbot. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's a giant death machine with, you know, axes and mm-hmm. things. Then I would have to say probably any flashback that he has with mom. <laughs> it's interesting. Oh, gross. Because he's like, oh, mom. Yeah. When he has the albino shouting gorillas for mom. I love mom. Um, I think my favorite has to be from Bender's Game again because I'm obsessed with the movies and I'm sorry I'm a broken record, but I love that he plays Gandalf and it's really funny. And let's see, basically any time where he's just like ridiculously senile is pretty entertaining or he tells people to shut up because he just bonks him on the head. He's like, shut up you. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect old man. All right. Next is Hermes Conrad, voiced by Phil Lamar. Um, Hermes is a Jamaican Rastafarian limbo champion, accountant, and grade 36 bureaucrat, and he's damn proud of it. Um, He used to also be an inspector, which is one of the episodes that we talked about a little bit ago with Mm -hmm. them going to Tijuana and find out that uh, Hermes was the person that actually okayed Bender's production, even though he had a fatal flaw. Um, so he is the HR, basically everything at Planet Express as far as paperwork goes. So he does all the handling of the stamping, filing, collating, and accounting. Uh, he is married to a woman, La Barbara, and also has a son, Dwight. Um, basically he's constantly advocating for the legalization of marijuana and battling to prove that he is better than his wife's ex, Barbados Slim. He is a former limbo champion of the world. We get a couple of fun flashbacks. Those and are probably some dies. of my favorite moments. He doesn't die. Because of the limbo. He does the limbo. Oh, because he limbos under the sword in yeah, the first movie. Yeah. He does get his head cut off and so he's ahead in a jar for a bit. You're right. Is that one of your favorite moments? No. Or, oh, okay. It's okay. Uh back to the episode with uh Bender, probably is my favorite. Uh, it just because the, uh, like the, was it that, uh, that checkered, or not checkered, that video, that move, not, wow, the TV show where you had your squares and, you know, you had to oh, yeah. pretty much like pick a square. That is that kind of The theme. Hollywood squares game. Yeah. yeah, yeah where you had to like make that. tic-tac-toe with Hollywood squares. Yeah. So it's In just the office. that scene and those different, those little tidbits of that episode are good. Kind of things that flash back to our childhood of like random yeah. things that were popular back in the day. And yeah. then in the uh, episode when they uh, make a box that... Uh, the pair box. The pair box to the, ultimate, the other universe where he's just oblivious to it all. And he's like, <laughs> oh, time to destroy this box. And... The other Hermes is the same way. Oh, go to destroy this box. Yeah. And then he goes to destroy the box and they all jump out of the box. And he's like, Professor Farnsworth goes, don't push that button. And Hermes like thinks about it like, hmm, I could destroy my boss and all my coworkers and have nothing wrong and keep all of these things. <laughs> okay, I guess I won't. Like, <laughs> yeah, one of my, all my favorite moments with Hermes, um, how Hermes requisitioned his groove back is my, one of my favorites. Um, where he basically goes from going down a grade of his bureaucrat level and, you know, having to work through that, like, 
anxiety and depression of him getting downgraded to him to come back and like save the day with limbo and song (laughs) it's all good um yeah basically anything that has to do with hermes and limboing like why he got to limbo again for the u.s olympic team because the jamaican team got you know caught up in the airport (laughs) uh it's like jamaicans have other interests which is why the limbo team got detained at the airport um but yeah i mean 90 percent of the time hermes is either doing something that has to do with like being a bureaucrat or limboing I mean, the other 10% of the time is him being a dad. So, like, (laughs) but, yeah, I think my favorite part is when Fry, like, goes, oh, you're Jamaican? I thought you were some kind of outer space potato man. (laughs) But, yeah, it's fun. He's a good character. All right, beer break number two. Uh, This time we're going to drink some PBR, Mm -hmm. some Paps Blue Robot. Mm Mm-hmm. What is that? Oh, it's one of the beers that uh, Bender suggests that they drink during the episode where Bender, Fry, and Lula all make their own beer for the first time. Um, so Bender is like, let's get Paps Blue Robot. Or, and then Fry is like, let's get Lowbrow. There are dots over it. And they're like going through all these like very like big three style beers mm-hmm. um, or similar. And they're kind of like fighting about which one's better. And then Lila's like, let's just brew our own beer. Um, and so they get all excited and there's a whole episode about beer, which we should probably, you know, talk about. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so Paps Blue Robot is one of the references to that episode. Um, but yeah, PBR, Paps Blue Ribbon for the win. Do you like what drinking Geek Out is providing? Do you want more? Do you like video games, Game of Thrones, comedies like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec, and The Office? Well, so do we. However... Sometimes these things just don't fit in with our current show format, but we still want to provide this to you. Just to provide you with an update, we do have five tiers on our Patreon with all nerdy stuff to provide you. You could become a super geek and receive a bonus episode every month. You'd become a mega geek and we could pick a topic for a future show. You could become an uber geek and we can do a show tailored around you. The perks go on and on and will continue to grow. So go on down to patreon.com slash drinkingeekout for more information. And now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back. So we have the Paps Blue Ribbon in front of us. When was the last time you had a Paps? Mm, not that long ago. Yeah. Because I got it somewhere because it was like real cheap. And I was like, it was like eh. a dollar or yeah, something. Yeah, something. I was like, eh, why not? Might have been like a couple of years for me. But not that long. Yeah. I used to get all the time from the brass rail, Fort Wayne. What up? It was like a dollar Wednesdays or something. Yeah. But yeah, PBR is one of those things that I always thought was like, meh. And then you made me try it for the first time when we first got started dating or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, it's not bad. So yeah, PBR is an American lager beer sold by Paps Brewing Company, established in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1844 and is currently based in L.A., they were originally called Best Select and then Pap Select, and then the current name comes from the blue ribbons that were tied around the bottleneck between 1882 and 1916 after they won a bunch of awards, and the main guy who started it, Pabst, was like, I'm going to let everyone know how fancy I am with all these fun things. Um, there's even an article on Thrillist about PBR, like little known facts. It's pretty funny because most of them aren't really 
about PBR. <laughs> it's just about, you know, one of those things, like random 15 things you didn't know about PBR. Um, so Frederick Paps, the guy who started the company from 1816 to 1904, um, was real fond of naming things after himself. So it was one of those things that he named after himself. When it turned to best, it was founded, or it was named Best, and then that was based off of the founder, Jacob Best. And then once Best's son took over, he was like, turned it to Philip Best Company, and then his son-in-law, Frederick Pabst, screw that, we're naming it after me. So basically, the first guy named it after him, the second guy changed the name to name it after him, and then the third guy was like, no, you will suck, I'm naming it after me instead. So essentially, everyone wanted to name things after themselves. And then during Prohibition, they made cheese. Oh, yum. <laughs> random, random things. That is really good to know. All right, so the can is your usual white can with the red stripes and the big blue ribbon ribbon in the middle of it. Yep. Uh, this one is a little different. Uh, it's a cream background. It has something like embossed in it. Yeah, it's like a like a flowerish kind of pattern, and then what looks like an like an old style like man at a soda fountain counter. And some like old timey looking just different images. Age, yeah, just some like it looks like someone basically overlaid like a ribbon and some newspaper down and like tried to make like a copy like back yeah. in the day. And so that's kind of the look that it has going with it. And then it's weird that the there's no like thing on the label. Isn't there usually PBR is usually written on the actual bow yeah. part, but not on this can. This can, it's on the bottom. It just says original Paps Blue Ribbon Beer at the bottom instead of being in the blue ribbon like it normally is for the old school cans. Maybe they're doing a different look. Yeah, it looks nice. I like it. It All looks right. a little nicer than just the standard white. Alright, so this didn't have any IBUs attached to it, did it? Hey. Maybe these are IBUs or anything like that? Well, the website is very not helpful. Well, then we have nothing. Cool. No nerd There's nothing reference. on there. There's nothing on there as far as, like, anything about the beer. So maybe if we can find it on Untapped, they might have more information. But Probably. But for now, we can talk about that. The color. Again, I'm thinking Harry Snitch. <laughs> so they say 4.6% ABV and 10 IBUs. 10 IBUs, you say? That's what it That would be 10 Cloverfield Lane. (laughs) That'd be our geek reference. Nice. Uh, Like I said, Harry Snitch probably on the color. It's very clear. I don't know. It might be Kirk's uniform. Mm, Maybe. It could be. We'll go with Kirk's uniform because the character coming up is like Captain Kirk. I know. That's why I said it. We're going with the Kirk's uniform. Awesome. So, yeah. This smells like a cream ale. Or it could be the cream ale that we just had. Did we wash the cups? I did wash the cups. Mm. Okay, it could be this beer then. Very similar. I think that's why that's cream ale, people make cream ales because they want to make it taste like beers like this. It's supposed to be smelling, not tasting. <laughs> Pale damn. I, I don't want to smell anymore. Okay, we're going to tasting. Yep. It's hard to just sniff a PBR. It's sitting right here, man. It's like, eh, here's yep. some water. Just look at it. <laughs> very basic yeah um the untapped uh 
318. Yeah. I'm like dyslexic all of a sudden. 318,000 check-ins. For a 2.80. Six <laughs> friend check-ins for a 2.71. Damn, people are harsh. Yeah, Doyle will give it a 3. Chris Bowen, new follower alert, gave it a 3.25. Jack at the Cat Eye Pub gave it a 4. He's probably just drunk listening to blues records. <laughs> Doyle a 3. Christian gave it a 2.25. Takes him back to college and bad decisions. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a couple people. Uh, Michael Linzenman, brand new follower. Uh, I gave it a 0.75 when nothing else is available. Wow. Pale gave it a 3. Yep. And that's it for my friends. Yep, I just have the pale. Yeah, I have not checked this in. I've had this beer like crazy amount of times. Right, yeah, definitely. Not checked it in. Pale had it at the thirsty camel. <laughs> Are we hand holding? Did you just give it a three? I did. Me too. I hold your hand all the time. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, I give it a three. Uh, it is better than your big three. Yeah, definitely. For sure. I would rather have this any day. Yeah, for sure. The only problem with having this any day over the big three is the calories. Right. But I drink crap beer, so the calories don't really matter to me. Right. We've already given up on that part. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you give it a three? Uh, it's better than Coors. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Works for me. Uh, but it's still something I would drink. I'm not like a huge lager person, but as far as lagers go, this is definitely one of the ones I would reach for if I had to pick something that was easy, cheap, readily available, you know, needed more than just a couple of something like craft beer tends to only be in smaller packages unless you want to pay the money for it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I have to pick between, like, this, Miller, Coors, Natty Light, you know, Bud, I'd pick Miller than this. So, that's why. Then cool. Bud Light. <laughs> anyway. All right. Back to it. We have three characters left. Yee. Uh, they're minor. Minor eh, characters, but they... Not minor. They're recurring. Yeah. Cat, you know, they move plot forward in a couple episodes, at least. Or, you know, they have an episode that's basically focused towards them. Yep. All right, so we have Zap Brannigan, uh, voiced by Billy West. Zap Brannigan is a fictional character, of course. He's voiced by Billy West, just said that. But was originally intended to be voiced by Phil Hartman, the West taking, uh, the, with West taking over the role after Hartman's death. Poor guy. The character is based on the Star Trek captain, James Tiberius Kirk, mm-hmm. played by William Shatner. The show's executive producer, David Cohen, has described Brannigan as half Captain Kirk, half actual William Shatner. All very exaggerated. That was my comment to that. Half <laughs> Kirk, half Shatner, all exaggerated. <laughs> Brannigan is a 25-star general in the Democratic Order of Planets and the captain of its flagship, the Nimbus. He is, the first, he is first introduced in the fourth episode of the series, Love Labors Lost in Space, in which he plays a major role. In the episode, Brannigan becomes enamored with Leela, whom he attempts to woo for the remainder of the series. Very rapey. Yeah, he's Shatner, Kirk. Yeah. (laughs) Brannigan is viewed as a respected military hero in the eyes of his superiors and the general public, but is strongly disliked by his own crew, most notably his long-suffering second-in-command, Kiff Croker. Though famed for his bravery and strategic genius, in reality, Brannigan is sexist, vain, boorish, stupid, cowardly, and incompetent. Yes. 
And I feel like we should just talk about Kif too, because it's kind of hard to have one moment without the other. Um, so to kind of group these two, Kif Croker by Maurice LaMarche is the fourth t- lieutenant. He is from Amphibos, so an Amphibosin. That's hard to say. Um, so he also works for the Dupe, the Democratic Order of Planets, um, serving aboard the Nimbus as the first officer to Zap Brannigan. Um, since Zap is generally ab- abusive towards Kiff and forces him to do a variety of demeaning tasks, which include, but not limited to, shaving of his armpits, um, Kiff kind of just tolerates um, Zap as much as he can and just uses his obvious signs like sighing and eye rolling to kind of be able to speak to his annoyance with Zap. Um, He doesn't have the confidence or the strength to defend himself. So he kind of just deals with it, you know, in his own, you know, meek little way. Um, Kif will sometimes seek out advice from Zap and is called his most loyal officer and best friend. Um, Kif tends to do this only in situations that regard women, since he doesn't have as much experience as Zap does, even though Zap is not a good person to ask for that kind of advice from. Uh, Since 3003, he has had an on-again, off-again relationship with human Amy Wong, um, which was briefly disturbed by Kif's death, and then later reanimation, within the movie length episodes. So with Zap and Kiff, um, my favorite episodes for them would be the one where they're both um, thrown out of the dupe. I mean, that's obvious. That's the one that's focused most towards them. Um, But there are a lot of quotable Zap Brannigan moments, um, especially, you know, things like there's been a recent resurgence of Zap Brannigan because it makes more sense to see like things that our current president would say posted on a Zap Brannigan meme. Um, so those have all been pretty entertaining for me because it's totally like the same. I just feel like they're like it, everything makes more sense when you hear it out of his mouth. You're like, uh huh, really concerned about the world after that. Um, but yeah, so when they both are thrown out of the dupe after Kif or after yeah. Kiff is blamed, essentially, from Zap's negligence of destroying the $4 billion space station for the new dupe um, headquarters. So that whole kind of joining up with Planet Express crew and then trying to kill everyone and how Kiff and Leela kind of connect. And Kiff becomes this, like, overly talkative, crazy, like, let me complain to you about every single thing. And Leela becomes Kiff. And the eye rolling and the sighing and like, I don't care about listening to you talk about Zap. I just want to do my job. Can you just do your job so I don't have to hear it? So that's, you know, kind of seeing him, you know, even though as much as it makes me shudder to think that someone could be so obviously incompetent, could get their job back so easily, you know, it's just relatively entertaining. Like, Take her to the brig. We don't have a brig. We'll take her to the laundry room, which will be herefore known as the brig. And then, what do you want us to do with our uh, civilian closer? Take them to the laundry brig. <laughs> Just like everything. What about you, Zap or Kiff or both? Uh, both would be the probably the uh, the Amazonian ah. planet. Yeah. Where they're like the punishment is sex. <laughs> it's like no i can't i can't <laughs> i don't wanna 
Yeah, that's my other favorite part is when they're trying to go on the date before the crash land on the planet Amazonia is when they're both singing karaoke. I definitely think every time Zap sings Leela, I always think of the kinks with Lola. And I just every time I hear that song now, I automatically sing Leela instead of Lola. It's one of my... Leela. L-E-E-L-A-Leela. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's one of my favorites, too. They're all my favorite. What am I talking about? Right. <laughs> and then last but not least of our main character rundown, of course you can yell at us if you think someone should be on this list who's not. Or, you know, whatever. Be mad about it quietly. It's fine, too. It's Nibbler by Frank Welker. So Lord Nibbler, who we could never pronounce his real name because in the time it pronounced one letter of his true name, a thousand cosmoses would flare into existence and then burn out into eternal dark as he says um he is a member of a proud and ancient race known as the niblonians he was born supposedly in 274 bc so he is obviously old and wise living you know almost 3300 years old um he is a high-ranking officer he's a high-ranking fuzzler um, science officer in the Nibblonian world, um, but he prefers a life as Tarangalila's pet, um, more like an undercover officer for the Nibblonians um, to keep an eye on Fry and Leela. Um, but he later becomes a member of the Planet Express crew and then kind of abandons that to become Leela's pet again because, you know, it's hard. <laughs> he is a since he is a Nablonian, he is a celebrated pooper. Um, so he has the highly volatile dark matter feces, which is useful because that's also happens to be starship fuel. So he's kept around for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, one of my favorite Nibbler moments is actually not about Nibbler. Um, but when Hermes gets a pet license or tries to get a pet license for Nibbler and he says, I'd rather throw the little rat in a bag, throw the bag in a river, and hurl the river into space. <laughs> but I do like requisitioning some forms, and these are some doozies. <laughs> just like, Hermes. <laughs> but yeah, Nibbler's great. He's one of my favorites. I mean, I like all the episodes basically that kind of show the evolution of how Fry got to where he is and kind of why he's an important character. Um, so the fact that, you know, he had to go back in time or not go back in time, but had to be on earth at a certain time to be able to push Fry's chair and to cause all these events, which lead to him, you know, Fry being able to save the world twice and then Leela helping the other time. And it's just kind of like, you understand that, you know, there are agents in the world whose forces are at work for their own means. And he's one of those agents that kind of creates change and moves forward the plot line in that way. Um, and then is just kind of funny and cute and has a lot of powers and, you know, just kind of throws you off because you think, oh, he's just a dumb little rat. And then he's also super smart and high ranking officer in the military. <laughs> yeah. When he starts talking, it blows everyone's mind. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Probably my favorite would be when he recruits Fry to save the world. Then Fry has to ride on the uh, the pony. The Scooty Puff Junior. <laughs> the Scooty Puff Junior. Uh, yeah, just all that. It's imperative that you save the world from right. the brain. Yes, the brain spawn. Yes. So what? They're trying to learn things. Yes, I'm as mad as I've ever been. (laughs) 
and they're going to stop any new knowledge from being acquired by destroying the world. And now it's personal. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Good times. They're very funny. For sure. I'm probably going to sit down and watch them all. Yeah, you gotta be ready for all these yeah. random things I'm gonna throw at you. Yeah, that, that way, I mean, I've seen them all, but uh, a lot of the time I'm trying to sleep and just rolling when she's already passed out. Uh, so I'll probably sit down and watch them all. That way I'm fresh uh, when it comes to doing the season one. Then we might do like season one, part one, which might be just episode one. Who knows? <laughs> Clearly, it can't be trusted yeah, to write. So. We'll figure it out, but it's definitely going to be on Patreon. I like this idea. I like being able to do you know things like this. Side episodes. Yeah. So we're definitely going to wrap up here. Um, we're pushing about 120, uh, no, one hour and 20 minutes. So, sorry, 80 minutes of recording. Uh, with some cuts, it's going to be dropped down a little bit. But I think we didn't, we didn't really have a whole lot of dead time anyway. So I work it at a pretty good hour and a half uh, pushing this one. So... But now you've had your overview of all your main characters. Mm-hmm. So if it's been a while since you've seen, you know, Futurama, if you don't own it and you don't have access to it, um, hopefully this gives you a nice little refresher. Um, if you haven't watched it, maybe this will be like the kick in the pants to check it out. Um, you can also like rent them on YouTube. So if you want to watch like an episode that you know you really like, just to kind of refresh, or if you want to check out a couple episodes. Um, to kind of see if you're interested in watching more of them, mm-hmm. definitely do that. Um, I would still start with the first one, even though it seems obvious. But, you know, just if you haven't seen them before. It's pretty. It's a good show. It's pretty funny. You have to like Simpsons-style comedy, though, because it is Matt Groening, and that's kind of his deal. Um, right. But it's a little bit different than Simpsons or anything else that's out there. But, yeah, it's good. I love Futurama. It's one of my favorite things. It's my favorite TV show ever, so if you haven't seen it, watch it. If you haven't watched it in a while, catch up. (laughs) All right. Well, it was a blast. Yes. Can't wait till the next episode when we dive right in. For sure. We will see you all then. Yeah, for sure. So until next time, drink up and geek out. Proud member of the Hopped Up Network.